Welcome back to The Lighthouse Project. This podcast is presented to you by Children of Scientology, a collaborative effort which aims to be informative about the issues which have affected the youngest members of Scientology. In this podcast, we are going to share some details which may be upsetting or disturbing for listeners. We encourage anyone who has been affected by these types of experiences to reach out to a trauma-informed organization in their area. The largest national helpline in the U.S. is RAIN. That's R-A-I-N-N. You can speak with the trained staff member via their free helpline, 800-656-HOPE. That's 800-656-4673. So how are you guys feeling since the news broke? Danny Masterson found guilty on two of the three counts. Yeah, I'm like, I, yeah, I'm processing, still processing everything. It's a lot. A I lot. feel so vindicated for them and yeah. so heartbroken that we had to be here. And it took this long for Jane Doe three. I know that she knows that her involvement in this is was a big part of the push, and so it was necessary, and so that it's valuable. But it just hurts my heart for her. But I understand. Miriam's told us the statistics of cases that succeed that have a positive outcome, and so here we are. We have to take it for what it is and know that they laid the groundwork and have planted so many seeds that we're going to be sowing for so long. There's so much value in it. And I hope she really does feel that. I know that she said she does, but I hope she feels it in her heart. What an incredible role she played in this win. Yeah. So the successful convictions for sexual assault cases ranges between about 1% 1% to 3%, which is a shockingly low number. That is shocking. And, yeah. And not only that, is we know specifically in this case, the heavy involvement of Scientology to prevent this ever being heard in the court system. And that's why I'm still feeling those almost like shock waves, the, the aftershocks of an earthquake rippling over and over because it's just processing all those times that they were told no, all those times that they were told that this wasn't true and that they were confused and that this didn't really happen to them or he couldn't see it as rape in Jane Doe One's case. And all the times that Scientology officials told them that they didn't have a right to their own body. So for me, it's like grains of sand just pouring because it's not just Mm -hmm. one thing. It's a thousand things. There's what it means for the women in this case. And then it's also what it means for other people who have cases who have just been waiting for years and years to also be told no so many times over the years. And I wonder then, is there a chance for those cases to be heard in the future? What will this mean for so many people? It's just so intense. It's a it is intense process. I was writing that letter this morning. I don't know. I guess I wasn't expecting a, a result today. It caught me off. Guard, yeah, but of course. I know there's internal fallout that's happening right now, obviously, especially within this family and behind closed doors, every Scientology property everywhere, probably. But I'm so interested to see the LA second gen crew and, and what happens, what yeah. the ripple effect is there. And I do hope some people that have been maintaining their position under the radar and remaining silent, thereby allowing so much of this stuff to continue. I hope we'll be pushed out 
by this into the light a little bit and maybe share some things that can help expose other things. I really do hope that there's a, a ripple effect of this. I already see it. I'm very encouraged by, yeah, by seeing people, I think specifically with this case has stirred up a lot of narratives and discussions within the second gen community. I'm already seeing people now coming out and saying, you know what? I have been bottling this up for years and it's time to speak out and talk. And there is such, uh, same, uh, all day. I've been being hit with chills all day since I heard that news. And it is a ripple effect and there's strength in numbers. I'm very encouraged by the fact that now this is in the mainstream media and LA Times are reporting on it. And like you can Google it and Danny Masterson comes up and this is a huge thing to see Scientology and these big headlines, abuse, rape trafficking it's yeah it's really intense and it just keeps hitting i'm just processing it all oh what does this mean i hope this is a snowball effect and a catalyst for what's to come yeah it's so amazing i was thinking about just the case in general this morning as i was getting ready for my day before the news came in and i was just thinking of this case and also in my own case and the cases that we know of where scientology became so heavily involved to prevent justice in each of these cases to such a horrifying degree for the victim. If they had only said, yes, you can go and file that police report, it's just a completely different... 100%. But that's not what they did. Yeah. And the thing is that Scientology, they go, oh, we need to protect the church. And so we can't let these victims go to the police. It should be the complete opposite of that. If they would allow victims to file their police report to make known these predators and and prevent them from continuing this abuse on other people not only would we limit the amount of destruction that person could have on people and people's lives but we would also see some justice for the victims i know even in my case for example they won't let my mother file a police report and yet you see in Scientology in the aftermath in my episode there is two admissions from statements that my mother and the Church of Scientology right. made where they admit knowledge of it. They say, yeah, we knew about it. Now, the years that they put is much later than they actually found out. They've admitted that they knew, but they have not filed any police report. Yeah. And I've had to build this case over these many years with many hurdles and obstacles, as have these Jane Doe's as well. They have worked so hard to build their own cases, get statements do their pretext phone calls, collect all their documentation and do so much work over all these years and try and convince LAPD to take this case seriously. It's amazing to see the success in it, but also to understand all the years of blood, sweat and tears that went into Literally, there are no words to express the gratitude and amazement and admiration for all of them and what they've been through not only through all this trauma, but to continuously fight the good fight and keep coming back and not giving up. It's just, it's exhausting. And I can't even articulate how just amazing they are. I agree. And back to what you were saying also, Miriam, about Scientology truly is its own worst enemy yeah. in so many yes. ways. Like it's so short-sighted, all of these decisions based on policy. So we know that they can't make a decision that doesn't follow policy, but just, yeah, Maybe give a Sea Org member liberty once in a yeah. while. Let them have an LOA. Let them have family time. Like, how hard would that be? Anyone who has employees knows 
your internal customer, you have to keep them happy. You have to keep them healthy and balanced. They shoot themselves in the foot repeatedly. Yes, if there's a crime that a member commits, it's on that member. The fact that they're willing to sacrifice children, victims, families for the good of the church, for the PR of the church and using the greatest good escape hatch for everything and their income mm-hmm. always coming first, no matter what. It's just all the dollars. And how many more dollars would they have if they had happy members, if they didn't have to coerce them? But that's not how you get cult members. <laughs> okay. that's, that's not right. how you get them. That's true. <laughs> to brainwash them. Darn yeah. it. <laughs> it makes sense. They, they've gone wrong so many yeah. times. Don't make women get abortions. If they want to leave, let them go. If somebody wants to rat it out the sea or let them round out of the sea. And it blows, you know. blows my mind, too, how they record everything. Everything is recorded. All of these abuses are somewhere in someone's PC folder locked away. That's wild to me. Yeah. yeah. What's so evident and so amazingly clear through what we've studied and examined in the Jane Doe cases in this Danny Masterson trial is how systemic this practice is. There are specific roles in the organization. It was the ethics officer. It was the chaplain. It was this policy was shown, that policy. It was in the ethics uh, introduction to Scientology ethics book. It was in the the green volumes and the red volumes. When we have this view of how systemic it is, we know this is not limited to just a few people that this has affected. This is based on a system that in every case, when a person comes forward and says, hey, I've been raped, Scientology will deny them the right to protection the right to report to authorities, the right to seek outside resources and support. Forbidding them to even accept medical help, too. Seeking a doctor after sexual abuses or any domestic abuse, anything that a victim has gone through, you cannot go to a doctor outside of Scientology as well. Not just protection for that victim, but all of the future victims that were unnecessary. You think about the Jane Doe's. Had Mm -hmm. the first report been taken seriously and he, where he actually handled, there wouldn't be a Jane right. Doe 2 and a Jane Doe 3 and a Jane Doe 4 and 5. And God knows how many there are going to be when the dust settles here. Chills again. Yeah. Yeah. So keep coming. So Scientology is responsible here. They're responsible for the allowance of this perpetrator to go on harming people, even though they knew what he had done. They were very heavily involved in trying to change the way the victims understood what had happened to them and to make them understand that it was their fault and that they caused this to happen and that they're responsible. And not only that, that they were on the edge of betraying their entire group. Treason. Yeah. I have a question. What do you think is happening right now within Scientology walls with this verdict? I hope they're having that moment of, oh, Buck, what does this mean for me? Do, do you think that public Scientologists are watching the news and they're getting this information? I think some of them are. I'm going to say under the radar. Sure. I would say that. The second generation I seeing would be keeping yeah. an eye on it. Under the radar. I think if you're like actually in Scientology. The minute you see his face, probably not. So you block it completely. Don't look at yeah. it. Yeah. Turn it off because in order to be active in Scientology, you have to shut off from all those things. So I'm talking more like people who haven't been active, who aren't currently on services. And how many bricks do you think Miscavige is shitting right now? 
Some, yeah, some very large ones. I hope so. I hope so. I have family members that are very quietly out. Mm-hmm. You know, out won't speak, yeah. won't get involved, stay back in the peripheral, or afraid basically. Who reached out immediately today and said, "Did you see the?" Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Oh, okay." Wow. So it's on. That's Facebook. very powerful. And they don't follow anything yeah. Scientology. Like they stay away from it with a ten foot. That is very powerful. Even though they were in CR, original CR members. Wow. So interesting to me. That is interesting. Right. That is something else. For an original member. Wow. Yeah. So I thought that was a bright spot. Yes. Who avoids it. That is a very bright spot. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. I just got seriously to say, I know you guys have been getting chills, but I'm thinking I, the thought I just had was like, sorry. Oh, God. Oh, honey. It's a big deal. I have cried several times Same. today, but your tears yeah. mean a lot, Miriam. Really. Yeah. I will just cry. <laughs> oh, God. So, yeah. Because I just had the thought of maybe they'll believe me now. Oh. Do you know what I mean? Because I've been declared as a person. And this is part of the ripple effect yeah. of processing and realizing what does this mean for future hopefully future cases to bring actual justice to victims but this is something these women fucking did the work and now it's okay maybe i have a chance for justice too how many of us are there how many of us are there that don't even know it yet too that are maybe about to awaken to their own yeah people that don't even realize that they were abused that they have suffered fucking human atrocities under Scientology. I hope that people are waking up now like, oh my God, I went through the same thing. What do I do? But Miriam, yeah, I hear you. Maybe now people will believe me. That's really powerful and intense. Yeah, because I've been declared a suppressive person and the person that I care about the most in that is my brother who's still in the Sea Org. And he's nearly 40 now and he's been in it his whole life. He was born into it. It's awful. What a choice, but you never know how far this will trickle down. You just never know how far that will go. If my mom yeah. were to find out, would she go, oh, I understand why Miriam wanted me to write a police report. She knew about it since I was 12 years old. But you have such heavy pressure, such heavy load from Scientology, and you're so heavily controlled. I wonder, just never know what could be the turning point. So, Yeah. Victoria, what you're saying, it just triggered a whole yeah. reaction in me. Just what does that mean? What does it actually really mean? We each have our last straw. Everyone has their own and they're not the same. Yeah. It's been interesting to me to listen to first gen, second gen, whatever. What was the thing that pushed you so far into the corner that you finally got your back up and exploded and left or made change or whatever? And they're each different. And I'm just so hopeful that this sparks. Like how many cracks did this create? How many things can now see? That is the great way to put it. Mike Rinder posted so funny. Mike Rinder posted about it and he's saying basically David Miscavige and his minions will not be sleeping well. They have to decide what they're going to do. Are they going to, as they have done so often in the past, lie and say that he was unable to live up to the ethical standards of Scientology? And so we threw him out long ago. But we didn't say so publicly because we didn't want to jeopardize his legal defense or sit back quietly, mom, for fear that if they throw him under the bus, he turns on them in the civil case. It really is like this 
chess game. It is a chess game. Someone. I'm wondering what Miscavige specifically is thinking. And my first thought is he's just going to dust his hands and be like, oh, no, he's not. He's not one of us. He's not part of us. But it is a chess game because how many times have you used that excuse on other people? It's starting to get old. Now there's media coverage and the internet and people are starting to connect the dots. What's your next move now? But not only two, we have this well, documentation yeah. seeping out showing that yes. they defended right. Danny Masterson and they yes. victim blamed and shamed and abused the yeah. victims. There's proof of it. They can say right. whatever they want now. There's evidence to the contrary. Right. It it's is. too complex. They're so intimately tied to this case. It's the Scientology mindset, like, we're going to tone 40. Yeah. Like, it's a belief. It's such a strong belief, right? We're just These going to all just hand to this right out of all the... Yeah. SPs. Yeah. <laughs> right out of the court, right? hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So Scientology is involved in this case and we see that with vicky Pobreski and this email leak yep. the um documentation that, that the prosecution turned over the redacted evidence is turned up in this link that she has in an email so scientology clearly has access to the information i highly doubt that they're going to now say oh danny masterson yeah wasn't one of us really la da da and try to separate that's from true they that's can't true. because we have the civil case I just don't see how they can. Is that so exciting? They are trapped in a corner right now. (laughs) Yeah. It's very exciting. Yeah. And if you had to go with what the policy is, if they just rotely went, okay, what is the policy for this? What's our damage control? I don't know what it is. I don't know what they're supposed to do right now, but they are in quite a pickle. And then there's the grand jury happening, by the way. These things all happening simultaneously. It's a very exciting time to be an activist and someone that's been working. Yeah. All the people that this have been is a major to, win to support and seek justice yeah. and create awareness. It's, it's an electric moment. Yeah, I am stumped on what they'll do. Like you said, what policy would you point to as to what decision they could make? Because they're really in a corner. It would be a different story if he wasn't found yeah. guilty. Completely different scenario. Yeah, we know 100% what they would do. They're all just liars and it never happened and that. Fine. We've seen that playbook. We've seen it. But in the case that he's been found guilty, I feel like we haven't been in this situation before. And that's why it's so historical. It really is. It's so monumental. It is. Those are perfect words. So Mike says the one thing for sure is that Scientology will come out waving their victim. Oh, one. They'll start pointing, right? Surrounding themselves with we've been persecuted. Catholic Church, but but the Catholic Church doesn't have written policies not to go to law enforcement, protect celebrities, and intimidate them. That way, that we know of. A little bit different. The one thing that the fallout from the Catholic Church is, I don't really know if it's similar. So you've had some priests have the opportunity, and these innocent kids and bad things happen, and then the church moves these people somewhere else. So then they cover that up, but they didn't, to my knowledge go to all the extents and have policies written to intimidate victims and witnesses. I think they might have paid off families. And maybe they said, hey, your church needs you to That's where cults come in. Totally. So I'm just saying it's so different. You're trying to differentiate the aftermath. It's not a comparison of the degree of violence. It's horrific. It's horrific Mm -hmm. no matter what circumstances, where, what group 
religious or not, in whatever case. However, I think what you're trying to look at is the aftermath of the post-incident repercussions. And does the Catholic Church have policies that say we deem them uh, this type of person and then they should be completely destroyed if they when try to When you found out, out, what did like, you do? Is what is your place? system for justice? And I know that it was handled wrongly from what I yes. understand. And I don't know all that much, but it was handled very wrongly. And I think they didn't right. come forward. And I think they tried for a long time to ignore, deny, whatever. Eventually, though, they have made all yeah. their records. And at least I have seen I priests being mm-hmm. prosecuted and arrested. I have not seen that of Scientology mm-hmm. until today. And the odds of the records yeah. being made public? Oh, never. Slim to none. Ever. In this case with the Catholic Church, the victims were children and when you're a child, it's a person who has positions of authority or your caretakers, your caregivers. And even if you do get the courage, how much, I just, how scary that would have been in the first place. But let's say if one child comes forward and says, hey, this happened to me. And then the older people around them are saying, that's not valid. And basically just shut up and go away. It's, I can't even imagine just how, oh, I just, it's hard to even think about it. And so a lot of These children, they had to grow up to be adults. And I really understand and appreciate that process. You have to get yourself into a position where you feel safe enough. That's the bottom line. And yes, they just move these priests around, of course, further destruction, further damage, further victims. And the whole thing is just absolutely horrendous. But I think what you're trying to point to is what happened after years later, when this did eventually all come out in a public manner. And we absolutely have to thank the victims for that, for sharing their stories. We would not have known otherwise. And how did the Catholic Church then address this huge public fallout? Yeah. And they did make changes. And now they do disclose things as far as we understand. I feel like they made yes. public apologies they as did. well. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I know that in 2013, the police officer who was investigating my case in Australia said to me, who can you ask is willing to provide a police statement. Could you ask your mother? Could you ask your brother? Da, da, da. I said, I'll call and ask my mother because she knew she was told. And actually, I found out in an email that she had written to this police officer. She says that my father came to her and mm. confessed mm. to her directly. So she got a direct confession from him. Not only that, but there was also church officials involved who also said things to her too. And so anyways, it's a So a triggered mess, but- by eligibility stuff? Triggered by... Him trying to get to base. Yes, being on clearance lines to clearance go to gold. Lines. And it came up in his confessional. Yeah. And he confessed to two incidences. That's not the whole of what happened. There was four that I know of, but two that he admitted to. I was 12 Can when I- this all was found out about. So I was preparing to call my mother. I was so optimistic. But my friend said to me, she has also grown up in the Sea Org and in Scientology. And she goes, just be prepared. She might say no. And I was like, she's not going to say no. Yeah. I was like, look at the Catholic Church. This is why I'm mentioning it, because at least the Catholic Church being open about it and talking about it and apologizing in some cases. And there's been some work that's been done and it's come a, a ways. And I would expect that Scientology would also line themselves up with that. And she was like, OK, I understand that, Miriam. Just be prepared that she might say no. And so I make the phone phone call and- Anyways, she didn't say no straight away. She said, I need oh to consult God. internally with the church first. Then I spoke to her again and she said, Let no. me right. ask my master. 
Be right back. Oh, my God. Right. That's all. Right. Yeah. And then there was all sorts of things. She was really trying to dissuade me. First of all, she told me she was disappointed that I'd gone to the police. That was her first reaction when I brought it up to her. Yeah. She said, oh, Mary, I'm so disappointed in you for going to the police. I'm sorry, Miriam. I'm sorry that that happened to you. But also relate, kind of, just reporting to authorities when I was like 12, 13. I also reported to my school psychologist Mm. because I was struggling in school. Told the psychologist, then authorities were called. Department of Family Services were called. My brother was supposed to handle it. My brother and auditor talked to Department of Family Services and the local police authorities. And it just disappeared, even though my rapist also confessed to the family, too, and held nothing back. And it was just so frustrating because he has not denied it. But whatever the handling was, handling with Mm -hmm. authorities, it was just washed away. And I felt like I was insane because nothing happened. Yeah. You felt like you were going insane because everyone fucking knows about it. Everyone fucking knows and no one is doing anything and isn't someone supposed to do yeah. something i, I like have I was felt going that so many times crazy like, and even and talking to the school psychologist too i'm like what the f- i thought something was supposed to happen i was preparing to go move into a foster home oh this is it it's finally happening no nothing happened and i thought i was going crazy up until oh the aftermath filming in what was that 2019 i think producers asked for a police report And I was like, oh, I don't even know. So I asked the local authorities and sure enough, there was a police report. And that was the first time, 2019, I was like, oh, I'm not crazy. This actually happened because there was a police report that was filed. And all of those years, I thought maybe, oh, fuck, maybe I just imagined it. No, it was there. Yeah, it went absolutely nowhere. I just relate because I was also given a lecture. That was a big disappointment because I went to the authorities. Even though it wasn't me, <laughs> mandated reporter. But again, because we're talking about systemic issues. Yeah, the system has fallen apart time and time again for child victims. And the disappointment in you yeah. trying to protect yourself. Yeah. When in fact, mm-hmm. you should be given protection mm-hmm. as a child. Why would you make a big dramatic situation? Yeah. Any organization worth their salt. And even Scientology, think about public PCs getting ARC break sessions when they're upset about some little drivel of something. And here you have children that have been assaulted and you, you can't even no. get that little gentle bit of compassion or empathy. I don't know what it will take for change. I think if they were to get their tax exemption revoked, that would be probably the snowball and that would be the starting mm-hmm. point. Um, because they are able to hide behind um, religious exemption and, and shit like that. It's <laughs> So once that's revoked, then I think the domino effect will happen and we will start seeing changes. Yeah. And the thing that my mother said to me, she said, I'm disappointed in you for going to the police. You know that we don't report fellow Scientologists to law enforcement. Okay, so now that sentence is like... yeah. That's so ingrained. We've seen that throughout this trial with Danny Masterson, where these victims had these same ideas or those ideas were enforced on them. We know how systemic it is, where I'm being told that 
everyone's being told that and it's a strong belief. Oh, we don't do that. We keep it in Scientology. And then we find out Scientology doesn't do anything about it except for try and find out how the victim caused Even it to happen to them. I felt like something was being done because I truly believe, okay, this is my group and they're going to protect me and I just have to trust them. I really did believe, okay, they're taking care of it. And I had to. You got a chaplain. chaplains with my own money at 12 years old. Yeah. Trust money. That I never got to see. Miriam, did you get any? They had a chaplain cycle without me. Yeah. They had a chaplain cycle without me between my new legal guardian and my mother. The legal guardian was informed that this had happened to me. In the CR, right. the legal guardian, no, you might never meet them. Yeah. Legal guardian is blue, and you're like, whatever, I don't know. I want people to listen to this. You will never meet your legal guardian in some circumstances in Scientology. How bonkers. Oh, sure. But on paper, it looks good. Should anything arise, yeah, we've oh got it God. covered. So I only spoke to that legal guardian twice ever in my life. The first time was when I was introduced to her. And my mother mentions, if you ever want to talk there about the thing that happened with your dad. Right. So I'm like, oh, so my legal guardian knows about it. Obviously, my mother knows about it, which I didn't even know my mom knew about it. So they said it was the first time that I had met her. I didn't say a word to her. But then the next time I met her, this is funny, because when I was 13, I stepped on a piece of glass and I ended up having to go to hospital. I was in L.A. and... So I got taken to hospital and they had to, like in the emergency room, they had to find this piece of glass that was stuck in there and yank it out and stitch me up and all this sort of thing. So there was a bill and I I was 13. I didn't, like, I never saw it. I just, whatever. I wasn't, didn't know that was something that (laughs) needed to be taken care of. But anyways, so years later, so now I'm like 16 and this next time that I see the legal guardian, she sits me down and shows me this bill from when I was 13. And I was at the hospital and she, and I'm not even kidding. And she was like, she Maria. wanted me to sort out how to pay for it. And I was just like, whatever. Yeah. So I'm not kidding. That's the, those are the two conversations that I had with this legal guardian. Yeah. An injury that I had ended up in the hospital when I was 13 and no one paid it for the next three years. Yeah. It's just... Yeah. See, yeah. that reminds me of Catherine Spolino the other day was doing a podcast with Nora Ames and Aaron Smith-Levin. And anyways, yeah. they were talking about the bad cadet and they went into an explanation of her to Claire and her brother and how he was sent to yeah. some children's hospital for his treatment. I don't really remember what the illness was, but it was fatal ultimately. And how Scientology doesn't even pay for the medical bills of their staff members, but helps them apply for free services Mm -hmm. or free clinics or uses the welfare system to gain care. Of course, it's just incredible to me. It's heartless and incredible. And so the idea that they were trying to make you pay for a childhood injury, and I don't know how you were injured, but were you on the decks? Were you on post? Were you? Yeah. So I was 13. They removed me from the ranch with a small group of other kids. A lot of them were older than me. And they sent them down to LA to do this special mission. Now, what the mission was, first of all, we were demolishing a floor level of AOL. Oh, so child labor. Like okay. literally knocking out walls and stuff like that. <laughs> no so big deal. Yeah, yeah. So they just, for a quick bout of child <laughs> labor. Child labor. Yeah. yeah. And so we did that. We did the demolishing of the floor. That <laughs> project was done. And I was like, oh, good. So we can go back to the ranch and I can 
keep learning how to read and write and do math. I don't know, because there's another mission. And the other mission was, it was the golden age of tech had come out. So we were piling the course materials. I was there for months and I kept, I was like, I need to go back to the ranch. I knew that my math level was so bad. I need an education. And also I, I don't have a lot of time left before I'm going to get drafted in the inevitable drafting into the Sea Org. Like I want some kind of childhood. So I just was trapped in LA. They wouldn't let me back. So one night the bus had come down from the ranch because a bunch of ranchers were down for the day to do some project, probably another mission that they had to do some work for. And that evening I was like, yes, I'm going to do it. And I grabbed my backpack and I threw my clothes in there, ran down and got to the bus and I got on the bus and they're like, what are you doing? <laughs> Stop me. I'm going to the ranch. And they're like, no, you're not. Get off the bus. Yes, I am. And they're like, no. And I was just like, what's that line? It's from the client. Fine. I'll just get hit by a truck and come back. And then storm off the bus and and then I'm in my room later laying on the bed just so devastated how am I going to get out of here and then I started feeling bad I'm like yeah I don't really want to get hit by a truck so I, I get up and I ended up stepping on a piece of glass ended up in hospital and the next day I was brought back to the ranch and I was like yes so then I get back to the ranch I've got stitches in my foot I've, I've got a set of crutches and we get pulled down to the office mm-hmm. and they've just formed this ethics and correction group, which is the RPF of the children. And I was put on that. Crutches and all, stitches and all. Yeah. And then just to wrap up the, the whole no medical care, I had been told that after 10 days, I should come back to, and get a doctor to take my stitches out. That 10 days came and went. And then it was like a couple of weeks later and time kept going. And I was like, I think I'm supposed to get these out. No one's taking me to the doctor. So a friend of mine took a pair of nail clippers and cut the stitches. Yeah. But I had to run. Where I was so forced to run on the decks, even though I had the crutches and stitches. And it's, I know it's 13. And it's so wild and so crazy. But it's, did you yeah. have an MLO or MO that was at the ranch? Was yes, it a chore? It was yeah. an MLO. Okay. It was a child and then there was an adult that sort of over the ranch that would take you to like in an emergency yeah. or something like that would take you to like the doctor. Catastrophic. Yeah. Oh, catastrophic. Yeah. It was basically. like. But can I ask you, who was yeah. policing the bus that knew that you weren't allowed to be on it? I'm just curious. Lynn Shelton. She was one of the adults. trying to get on a bus, yeah. but it was the ranch bus. And they were like, no, you where's your. Right. It was your ranch for? You don't have approval or whatever. You don't, you're not authorized. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're God. not authorized to go back to the ranch. But that's where I live. The idea that yeah. someone desperately, both that's you insane. and wanted to go back to the ranch. She just wanted to get back there. It's so insane. And it yeah. has to really speak to the levels of awfulness at Pack Base that you I'm, wanted to go back to the ranch. Oh, it's yeah. Remarkable. Yeah. I was having some major struggles in L.A., I knew I wasn't supposed to be there, that this was wrong. Just months and months on end of only doing this mission and Scientology studying. I was like, I'm not supposed to be here. Um, I'm not supposed to be doing this. This is not to your level, but just to echo just medical irresponsibility, to say the least. I'm still dealing with medical collections, like bills and stuff, because when I was supposed to be arriving to pack base because I signed my Sea Org, contract. I had to stop taking my medication uh, under the radar because I had seizures. And then they, oh, they made me cancel my medical insurance when I was arriving to pack 
there was issues and I did not arrive, but I had a seizure, ended up in the hospital and I'm still paying the bills from that because I had to cut my medication, cold turkey, and then all of the things that happened afterwards. But anyway, yeah, not to the extent, but just to echo that they suck basically. (laughs) and There is no medical care. Yeah. That is no, and that's, that's insane. That is, yeah, you could have died though. Let's so be clear. We cut your yeah. medication because yeah. we don't right. approve. Of oh yeah, yeah. anti seizure medication, right? You're not a eligible PC. You're not all the bad things, but cut your medical insurance because because I would have. This is what the hell? Yeah, you would have had debt. You exactly. would have had they a, told a financial me. obligation, and so you're. What is the thing called when you get ready to go into the I don't remember. They just told me, yeah, to let go of all my bills. I had to cut off my medical insurance. And sure enough, like that night, I had a seizure. I had to go to the hospital. So, yeah, all these years later. Yeah, that's so crazy. One of the things I was going to mention about Catherine Spolino's story that you said earlier, Christy, with, okay, so her brother goes into hospital because he's sick. And her dad's not doing well at post. In the CR, they determine oh, Catherine is the person who's being suppressive. And I definitely want her to tell this story because obviously she's going to know it the best. But basically, she wasn't allowed to have communication with her family because she was suppressing them. And they were being potential trouble source <laughs> management that they weren't doing well because yeah. she is connected with them. But then it's determined that her brother needs a donor for bone marrow and so then suddenly they're like oh you can have contact with Catherine now to check that she is a suitable match and no one acknowledged it or said oh i'm sorry we didn't talk to you for a little while it was now it was like oh Catherine is deemed okay for her family to have contact with this this is the, the church of scientology because they say who you can and can't talk to and so one minute she was a person who they weren't allowed to talk to. Next minute she was a person that they are allowed to talk to. That's really horrible and heartless. And I'm so glad that at least someone in that whole scenario cared enough about him, maybe, that they were willing to interact with some right. person mm-hmm. in order to get him some care. That's pretty unusual. I haven't heard of that before. At least. And because she wasn't outright um, declared a suppressive person at that time. Maybe there was a non-interpolation order. It was that sort of level. I agree. At least they were like, okay, in order to save his life, we can yeah, because of this. Because in what I would think is they would go, oh, just drop the body. Come on back. Pick up another one. End cycle. Right. And I wonder if she was declared a suppressive person, whether that would have been the case then. Did she end up being a donor for him? Or did she, was she not a match or... I'm not sure. I do know that his illness progressed from there and ultimately Mm. he passed away. Yeah. It's very sad. I would love to have her tell more about it. Yeah. As horrible as it is. Mm. It's awful. The second gen, they didn't make it. It's really very horrible. He was born and raised, growing up in the Cadet Org and was in the Sea Org. Yeah. And I wanted to say as well, you said the second generation deaths. There there are a number of them. And for a number of different reasons, this person that I was disconnected from, who was declared a suppressive mm-hmm. person, who I'd had a relationship with in the Sea Org, and he was a, deemed a suppressive person all the way up until a couple of years before he died. And he died in a very tragic and sudden way. 
but yeah, he only got a couple of years at the end of his life with his family. And prior to that, he had years and years of isolation. He left the Sea Org, a very young person with no resources. His dad had already told him, if you leave the Sea Org, never come back here, basically. So he already knew he didn't have any resources outside. There's so much tragedy within families. They lost out. The family lost out. 100%. Yeah. How many um, people have died within Scientology, whether it's tragic accident. I think about like even purist related issues because you have people that are not fucking medically qualified to care for people in that setting, but they're still deemed MLOs or people that are committing suicide and ignored medical, like Tori Chrisman, right? She had epilepsy. Yeah. Completely ignored medical stuff or mental stuff that people are ignoring. And it's just awful. Devaluing the body. Yeah. Really is such a huge Mm -hmm. component in that. And devaluing Mm -hmm. this lifetime is just a brief moment in eternity. It does not mean anything. You can do all those things in a lifetime. And so all sense of value is gone. Yeah. It does make it easy for these people to make these choices. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Really sad because, yeah. I don't know if there's an excellent, I hope there is. I hope there is so these people get another chance, but I don't know. That's just it, Christy. They made these decisions believing because Aaron Hubbard told them that they would live again and live again and live again. And they knew that to be true because they had created these false memories of these past lives. It's so interesting because I never wanted to invalidate other people's experiences, but what I've been diving in pretty deeply into the mechanisms in cytology and this dissociation and all these different aspects. And then I've learned about the hypnotic techniques and these are things that I've touched on briefly or knew different pieces about, but I've gone way down those rabbit holes. And now I understand you literally create things that didn't happen. When I mentioned that in 2013, I was contacting people to ask if they would be willing to provide a police statement. And one of the people that I contacted was, was my brother who's still in the Sea Org. And he didn't want to because he was like, look, this is my church and I don't want to bring anything out into the court system. And he said, I believe that Scientology has really helped me. He said, Scientology has saved my life thousands of times. And I was just like, yeah, what? Because he was born and raised in the Sea Org, lived in the Sea Org his whole life. So then how is Scientology saving his life thousands of times? And the only way that could be possible is if false memories have been created to hold up this idea Because one of the things that Scientology does is just makes you feel so self-abased, like degraded. There's all these things wrong with you. And Scientology is saving you thousands of times, aren't they? Because every time, oh, Scientology just removed this layer off of you. And now, because you're such a piece of shit, degraded being, you have so many things to scrub off of you. That's how deeply it goes. They believe this. They know it to be true. They are certain about it because they experienced it because these things have been created. So this father who disconnected from his son because uh, his son was leaving the Sea Org and disowned him. And then that his son later was declared a suppressive person. It's the father who lost out on his time with his son before his son died. And nothing can bring that back. Yeah. How do you reconcile? What are you left yeah. with? The false memories. I think yeah. E-meter is a prop. We were talking the other day about checkouts and demos and stuff just reinforcing this false bullshit and and success stories and 
floating needles at the examiners, all these things that reinforce value. That's a big part of sales, reinforce value. Restate why this matters to you. Get them to say it out loud enough times and they'll believe it. Yeah. What's the thing? Number of times blah, 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 equals certainty. What the hell is it? Uh, Number of times over equals certainty and results, which was the saying for the golden age of tech as you just would repeat the things over and over. I'm still deprogramming and still realizing all of the things that were reinforcing the brainwashing. Like you said, like clay demos. Make sure that you can convince yourself that you actually believe this to yourself. Yeah. Christy, you were saying like, Mm -hmm. oh, this lifetime means nothing. It's just a blip. So I got Sea Org briefings when they were trying to recruit me and they were really intensive. I was so suicidal after those briefings and I felt so out of my body. And I'm like, why am I here? Why am I even in this lifetime? Let me just start over. It was wild. I've never felt that in my life before. But we would go to Denny's and they would show me these briefings. And I specifically remember just feeling completely numb in my body and in my spirit for like weeks at a time. And then I would talk to people after, like months and months after second gens. And they would also tell me, people that are still in Scientology, they're like, yeah, I got the same breathing and I also felt like that. I just wanted to kill myself. At least three people, yeah. That was the point, was to make you feel completely helpless and useless. It was the point. Unless you join the Sea Org to join the cause, you're no good, you might as well kill yourself. No, totally. Go ahead and die. I had all these briefings and recruitings and I finally signed because I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm good for nothing and I'm going to die if I don't join the Sea Org. And then I was unqualified because I had seizures and because I had a girlfriend, so same-sex relationships, and that deemed me unqualified. After I had given up my whole life and joined, anyway, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was still mad about it. I was still in high school when I had joined, and that was on pack base. So I slept three nights in the pack recruitment office, mm-hmm. waiting for them to get me in. Another sales technique called mm-hmm. takeaways. And you basically yeah. tell someone that they're not qualified for something. But so in Scientology, sure. that would be a yeah. can't have, must have. So yeah, yeah. when you take something away from someone, then they want it, mm-hmm. reach and withdraw. If I can't have you, then yeah. I really want you. So yeah. that's a sales can't have So I think have. they did that with some people mm-hmm. also in their recruiting. Yeah. I don't know if that was your situation. But my mom yeah, maybe done LSD. And so she kept joining the Sea Org and they kept recruiting her. And they would bring us kids to, it was confusing, that they reached with her back in through amnesties and flag readiness unit and all these various different things. But they should have just let her go. She really wasn't qualified go off, make some money, buy your bridge. But they kept doing this bait, cut, bait, switch, bait, cut, bait, switch craziness. It was really not fair. Thanks, guys. Can I read you, beauty, something that I wrote? Yeah. 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 I call it Love Letter for the Janes. As we revel in the glory of today's jury verdict, celebrating, ecstatic, crying, Still trying to weigh exactly what this may mean in the larger picture, but happy to tears for these courageous women who have been so steadfast, so fearless, despite Scientology giving them so much to fear, and despite their own family and friends deserting them in order to stay in favor with Scientology. And still they fought on, finally able to report, finally being heard, finally being believed, finally being advocated for, and now, for the most part, 
finally getting justice. This moment is such a powerful one. It's such a turning point in a long history of injustices to victims in and of Scientology. This case in particular is such an incredible achievement, but it's also a real painful reminder that these things happened to these women, that they were denied justice for so many years, and that along the way and interwoven into this saga are so many second-generation Scientologists and young Scientologists. The perpetrator, many of the victims, their supporters and advocates on both sides, and, of course, Scientology handlers, all put into these impossible positions because of the crimes that should have been reported to authorities and stopped decades ago. But for Scientology's strict policy to protect itself above all others and the fear it strikes into the heart of its members if they fail to do so. Just this morning, we were still holding our breaths and on the edge of our seats, as we have been for months, checking social media mid-morning, noon, afternoon, and again at the end of the court day, day after day, week after week, hoping in our hearts, praying with whatever spiritual fragments we have that remain, and nurturing this tender, somewhat painful, possible outcome, justice, for all of the Janes in this case, but also if we're being honest, for ourselves, for the wrongs done to each of us by a monstrous organization that hides behind a cross. One that, for some of us, stole our childhood, any protections, our families' hearts, minds, compasses, robbed us of loving and nurturing relationships with our family, denied us a healthy relationship with the outside world, our sense of self and self-worth, our educations and understanding of the outside world, and what might have been brighter futures trampling every boundary, replacing it all with false promises, lies, through coercive control, intentional stigmas, fear, and alienation. As children, we were formed on its principles and guided with a very heavy hand by its policies, and everyone we knew or cared about our very future was balanced precariously on its judgment of us, as it was with all the chains. This trial, both the first and now the second, have been such a shared injury. Together, we've held our breath, we experienced their blows, the betrayal, and the reopening of so many old wounds, whether about our own covered-up sexual assaults and abuses while in Scientology, or our misguided trust in it and its members, the promise of ethical behavior and integrity, or the constant threat of disconnection should we stray from the group's adherence to the greater good, and all the mechanisms that guide them. We've been reliving, trying to understand our inability to describe our suffering due to the relabeling of the harm that happened to us in plain sight because of Scientology euphemisms or the constant, chronic, intentional gaslighting, victim shaming and blaming, reframing our very own experience by accusing us of being weak or inventing our harms, or if they were real, that we deserve them due to our own crimes and that we should take responsibility for and confront our own evils. Children. This robbed us of the true concept and the deeper meaning of what being a victim is. It robbed us of reality, of our resources, of any support, of unconditional love, 
empathy, compassion, real self-determinism, in mental and emotional care, and of course, of any true justice. The dismantling of the truth and the betrayal of all these things I mentioned collectively and the isolation that it causes can really remove all sense of yourself, your sense of direction, your sense of trust in yourself and others, and ultimately can result in losing your hope, which can result in losing your reason for living. I think we survivors are pretty fortunate to be here, to be honest. Many are still trapped. Many are lost. And unfortunately, a large number that are no longer with us. But what we're here witnessing, trying to understand and come to terms with, and some are finally voicing, all the things we live through and are still navigating, and we're getting closer to healing and evolving. And these incredibly brave, tenacious, wounded, but still battling women, their new families, their loved ones, their communities, they deserve everything. Our love and our deepest gratitude. Because no matter the outcome of the verdict, no matter what the final decision ended up being, no matter whether the jury could see through all the limitations placed on them, the Scientology cloaking, the Janes were winners from the beginning of this process because what they were seeking was honesty and transparency. And they provided that. So they've protected scoreless others simply for not backing down, for continuing to expose not only this predator, but the horrible monster behind the curtain, Scientology. The Janes drew back that veil and showed the world its mechanisms, its claws, its intentionally sharpened teeth. This case more than any other has exposed more of Scientology's internal policies, and that is all due to the Janes and their brilliant legal team. All the brave witnesses, the reporters, the bloggers that have tirelessly helped report and translate all the minute, complex, but important details. Such a beautiful coming together of our imperfect, sometimes messy, community. I recall attending the filming of the season three series finale of the Lyrum and Scientology in the Aftermath and knowing it would be the last. And two of the masters and victims bravely shared pieces of their story just the parts that Amy would approve. And I remember thinking how courageous they were and how bullheaded Mike and Leah had to be to fight to even get to this moment with them, to get their story included. And I remember as they took the stage, feeling my heart pound as the cameras were rolling and knowing how incredible it was going to be that these crimes would finally reach the world, that it would be televised. But I can say that that pales to how it has felt to me to go through this first and second trial, knowing that our country's justice system and the rule of law, judges, advocates, and jury members, would now begin to understand the complexities of being victimized as a Scientologist, and in this case, by another Scientologist, who was formed around Scientology, is a product of Scientology and nothing else, and then intentionally harmed further by Scientology policies, practices, and culture, so the church itself, in its constant threat assessment, damage control, controlling of the narrative, just to protect their public relations image, retain their membership, and most of all, more important than anyone or anything, to keep generating income. Our special appreciation to those that have covered this so seamlessly from beginning to end and so deeply, supporting it so thoroughly, that have either covered the story directly or shared it.
everyone who's posted or commented on it, everyone who's explained it to their neighbor, broadcast it on their platform, or spread the word in some way, or even said a prayer, a prayer for justice. I'm so honored to have been discussing this case and trying to add a little more texture to it with my podcast partners, Miriam and Victoria. We have tried to settle down into, as best we can, the Jane's experience and compare and contrast and describe our own similar suffering so that we could understand it better and help others understand it better. And that's really given us a deep sense of connection to it. So this is my love letter to these beautiful ladies that inspired this coming together of all of us, our patchwork of a community, allowing us into their hearts and souls, their trauma, their incredible strength, so that we could share this beautiful, fragile dream that truth might prevail, that justice is possible, and that most of all, we can help protect others from this same harm. And someday, someday Scientology's harm of its members, children, and families may be a thing of the past. We love you, Janes. Thank you for sharing your truth and experiences. This has been lots of great information, but a lot of details that could be really hard to digest, especially if you are a survivor of abuse as well. So please remember to check in with yourselves. We're just so happy and appreciative of anyone that is listening because this is really meant to be a part of community. And we're here all together. So we're very appreciative as you're a part of our village. So thank you so much. 